Ugh, I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids, and then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to, and then also remembering that, say, Aunt Helen only does email, so you need to send her image separately. Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So, to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. Hello, Mighty Parent or Parent-to-be. Welcome to Birthful. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we continue on our Models and Places of Birth series. 
So for that, I wanted to bring you two of April Teal's birth stories to give you examples of what birth can look like in different birth settings and how you can have a wonderful experience no matter where you birth. April's first birth was at a freestanding birth center in Southern California, and her second was at a hospital in North Dakota. Now, for her, the most impactful difference between these two experiences came down to the pushing stage, with one of them being actively managed and the other being completely dictated by her body, which then allowed her to experience the fetal ejection reflex. You'll also hear how for both, April set up very supportive birth teams and was not afraid to advocate for what she needed. You're listening to Birthful, here to inform your intuition. Welcome, April. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Before we get started with your birth story, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, my name's April. I have been married to my husband, Ryan, for almost six years. We have a three-and-a-half-year-old boy and a 14-month, almost 15-month little boy. Uh, We are a military family, and we are currently living in North Dakota. Let's go back to, you know, back several years to when you were first pregnant. And what were your thoughts and approach to birth then? Yeah. Well, my mother has two daughters, uh, both naturally without any pain medication. And so I grew up with that, kind of always thinking I would want the same and do the same. But truthfully, I knew nothing about birth. And it was probably a little bit of a a silly motivation for me, but I was more competitive with myself and just thinking, oh, I can do this, you know, but not really knowing anything about birth. And so I got pregnant and my friend had had a water birth recently and she had had a great experience. So it was just more motivation to continue down that path. Um, And she gave me a couple resources, which was great. Yeah. So you you had a birth philosophy of trying to do things unmedicated and you had your friend who had a water birth. How then did you prepare? What things did you set up? Yeah. So I I mean, I watched the business of being born. I ordered um, a couple of Ina May's books, her um, guide to uh, childbirth and uh, birth matters is another one that I really like. And I just scheduled an appointment with an OB. Honestly, I just didn't really know what to do. And where we were living at the time, there was only one hospital. And I went and toured it with my husband when I was only like 15 weeks pregnant, but I just didn't I didn't love the vibe I was getting and I wanted something more. And so I just was looking in our area and I didn't have a lot of options, but I did find a birth center um, about, it's like a 45 minute drive without traffic. So a freestanding birth center with a couple midwives. And I went there and I loved it. I just, I loved my meeting with the midwife. I loved the whole feel of their care and the rooms themselves were just beautiful. You know, they looked like hotel rooms and they had these big, beautiful tubs. So I definitely wanted to do that. And it thankfully was not too difficult to convince my husband, even though it was going to end up being costly for us. We knew that we were going to have to pay out of pocket and then we weren't sure what our insurance would reimburse us. 
And I'd had two appointments with the OB and I didn't have a good feeling during those appointments just because I never actually met her. I only met um, the nurse practitioner. And so that just didn't really sit right with me. But when I called, it was kind of interesting because when I called to just let them know that I was transferring care, the receptionist asked where I was going and I told her and she said, oh, good for you. And um, that's just kind of a little funny thing I'll never forget because it, it made me feel good about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't expect the receptionist to say that, right? It's like, what does no. she know? <laughs> right? I know. No, we like, don't know, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah. So, so yeah, I transferred care. I think I was around 16 or 18 weeks, something like that. And then fast forward to the day of, how did you know things were happening? Yeah, it was um, a Friday night and my husband and I were having a late dinner. It was around eight o'clock. I was 39 weeks and three days and I started getting some period like cramps. Um, but at the time I didn't really know what it was or what to think of it. And then we sat down and we started watching a movie and I noticed that the cramps were kind of coming in waves. So I thought, Hmm, I'm going to just going to sit here and time these while we watch the movie. And by about 1130, our movie was over and I thought this, this could be it. Like these are coming every 12 minutes or so. Not painful, but um, they definitely had my attention. Yeah. So I called my midwife and I told her and um, she said, well, it's very important you get some rest. That was one of the things that she really emphasized a lot during my prenatal care was, you know, first time moms typically have long labors. It's so important to rest, especially if you go into labor at night. And she asked me if... um, she thought I could sleep through it. And I said, no, I really don't think I can. And so uh, she told me I could take 50 milligrams of Benadryl, which I did. And I'm so grateful that I did. I really think it made a big impact in my birth because I was able to get some sleep off and on for like the next six hours. Mm, that is huge. Yeah, very big. So, I mean, I would wake for the contractions, but then I would just fall right back asleep. Yeah. So I did that until about 5, 25, 30 in the morning. And then at that point, it was just getting too difficult and too uncomfortable to sleep. So I got up and I started laboring. I called my mom. She was a six-hour drive from me, about seven hours to the birth center. And the plan was for her to meet my mother-in-law and they were going to drive down together. So I said... I think it's happening. You need to come. What was helpful to you during that kind of early time? Yeah, um, water, the tub. We had a really nice bathtub in this house. And I I got out. I did lots of things. I tried laying down on the bed. I had read the Bradley Method book, and um, I had tried doing some of the positions that they recommend. But to be honest, I hated them. Um, I did some birth ball stuff, but I mostly was in the tub. It just felt really good. Mm -hmm. And then I lost my mucus plug around, I want to say it was around eight in the morning. And we called my midwife and let her know. And at this point, I was really ready to leave. I was, I mean, they were, I don't remember at this point how far apart they were, but they were very strong and intense, you know, lasting a minute. And I just felt like I got to go. (laughs) 
but she was like, no, I think, I think you can wait another hour. And so she said, call me back in an hour. And I was a little devastated, but that's what we did. So we left for the birth center around nine in the morning. And then, so then when you call, when you called her back, she was like, okay, you sound different right now. Come. Was it? Yeah. You know, in hindsight, she actually, well, she told me later, she thought I was going to come in um, still kind of in early labor. I think she was a little reluctant to have me come, but I, I mean, we had called her a few times at this point and I was really wanting to come. So I think she was just like, sure, you can come. Yeah. I mean, my husband did most of the talking with her. I did talk with her through a couple of contractions because I know, you know, that's kind of how they assess how you're doing. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I was just handling it well, or I just wasn't conveying how intense it was. <laughs> but, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, like she, she didn't think I was going to be as far along as I actually was when we got there. <laughs> how far along were you? I was fully dilated. <laughs> Check you out. My goodness. Uh, I, I was so relieved. It was, it was the greatest thing I'd ever heard. <laughs> So yeah, I, it was, we parked and I pretty much just bolted into the room and started stripping because I wanted to get into the the tub there. And um, so she checked me right away and yeah, she was pretty surprised too. It was, it was a welcome feeling. Um, but then the real work set in. <laughs> I had a really hard time pushing this baby out. So. Okay. Yeah. We, so we got there around 11 and she asked me if I had the urge to push or any pressure in my bottom. And I had a little pressure, but no urge at all. And so she just kind of told me to go ahead and keep laboring and, you know, listen to my body and do what I needed to do. And so I, I kind of pushed, but I didn't really know what I was doing or I just didn't really have an urge. And then a little over an hour later, a second midwife showed up as they, they work in twos and I continued pushing. I think they said, according to their records, that I really started pushing and things got serious at about um, 11, 15 or so. Yeah, so I pushed in the tub there until about 12. And then they had me move to the bed and I just alternated sides. So I would lay on one side and then during a contraction, uh, like lift my knees up to my chest and push. And then in between contractions, I would put my legs out and put like the, the top of my leg, like the leg that was facing out on the midwife's shoulder and just rest and then do it again. And then we'd switch sides every so often. And I did that for two hours and he was finally born at one fifty one PM. So it was a, it was a good like three ish hours of pushing. It was just mm -hmm. really, yeah, it was hard because I never really, felt him in the birth canal. I had, I felt like I was pushing into nothing, if that makes sense. Like I felt like I was pushing and exerting all this energy into the contractions and that really, it was not very motivating. And my water didn't break until about the last five minutes. And when my water finally broke is when I could feel him and I was super motivated to get him out. It felt so good. Mm. Yeah. So you had, well, that's part of what the, the amniotic fluid does. It cushions a bit, right? So that, right. that cushioning, once it's gone, then you feel not like this water balloon, but hard bone on you. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, it was, it was interesting because for a long time I just was trying to figure out, well, was it because my water was still intact that I had such a hard time pushing or was it truly, I mean, just first time mom or, you know, why, but the birth of my second son was like so similar yet so different that I, I can't really blame it on the waters anymore. <laughs> I don't think. Well, okay. So let's wrap this one up and then switch yeah. gears to, to the other one. And then we can talk more about the pushing and see what the thoughts are there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So baby came out with, did, did he go right to your chest? Did like what? What was that like meeting your baby? Oh, oh, it was just the best. It was like the best afterbirth hormonal high I've ever experienced. Um, yeah, he came right to my chest. He was a great size. He was seven pounds, 12 ounces, 20 inches long. Uh, he cried right away. And we did skin to skin for like an hour. Uh, my placenta came out relatively quickly, I want to say within five to 10 minutes after he was born. And they just put it in a bowl and then put the bowl right up next to me. And we just stayed like that for about an hour and he nursed. And uh, my mom and my mother-in-law had arrived. And when they heard him crying, they came into the room. And yeah. And then after a while, I <laughs> I wasn't really expecting them to come in right away. <laughs> So after, um, you know, everyone had kind of all calmed down and settled a little bit, I actually did ask them to leave and go get me some food because <laughs> I was starving. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Give yeah. them a task. Give them a task. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they went and got me a sandwich at Starbucks. And to this day, I remember how delicious it was because I was just so hungry. <laughs> But yeah, that sounds lovely. That sounds like, you know, the hardest part was maybe that pushing stage, but the leading up to it seems like you were handling it quite well, you know, even tricking your midwife. I know. <laughs> yeah. So then fast forward to your next pregnancy. Did you do anything different the second time around when preparing and, and considering what your wishes were? Hmm. Yeah, it, it was a whole different preparation because we had moved between the two pregnancies. So the birth center was no longer an option. And we had moved to North Dakota and my choices were even more limited where we were at. We briefly discussed a home birth, but we weren't really comfortable with it uh, for a couple reasons. One was the midwife lived over an hour away. Um, the biggest one was that I was due in December in North Dakota, uh, which, you know, our winters are pretty rough. And yeah, I was due December 26th. No, I'm, excuse me. He was born December 26th. I was due December 23rd. And I was also concerned about um, my care provider taking off for the holidays, like taking some time off. So we decided on a hospital birth. Um, there's one hospital where we live. And this time I knew I wanted a doula because even though I didn't have one with my first, uh, a hospital felt very foreign and, you know, uncharted territory for me. 
So I did some research and there's a doula where we live who has a ton of experience. She's been doing it for about 14 years and she's actually um, training to be a CPM, a midwife. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I met her and she's just really sweet and we clicked right away and I knew I wanted to hire her. And so when I was telling her my fears about... um. I, it was so important to me to have the care provider that I had had all my prenatal care with actually be there for the birth, right? That's what I had with my first son. And I wanted to have that assurance again. And with the standard model of care, a lot of times, you know, you just get who's on call. And I was just really nervous about that. And so I was telling her that and she said, well... There's a doctor in town who's actually a family practice doctor, um, but he also delivers babies. And he himself has a large family, and so he tends to stay in town during the holidays, and he will be on call for you because he doesn't have like a very big um, – uh, you know, he doesn't have like a lot of maternity patients. Yeah, I find that with family doctors, that's usually the case because it's not their own, you know, pregnant people aren't their only patients. That's just one little part of it. Yeah. And I had never even thought of that. And so when um, Ajula told me this, I thought, oh, I'm definitely going to interview him. And so I did that right away. And he was great. He was very supportive of everything that I wanted. I wanted to do another unmedicated birth. Um, and of course, I went in with, you know, a ton of questions like, can I push in any position? Um, I don't want to have electronal fetal monitoring. I just want to have a Doppler. I didn't want to have, you know, an IV or anything. And so um, he was very supportive of everything. And it was really very reassuring and nice. The only thing that he wanted was for me to have an IV port. So just have like the little, what did they, like a hip lock, I think mm -hmm. they call that. Yeah. Yeah. The heparin lock, the hip locks. Yeah. Yeah. So he just wanted me to have that just in case of an emergency. And I thought, fine, like that's not going to be the end of the world. <laughs> so yeah. So I, um, so that is how we decided to proceed. I was going to have a hospital birth with him, and I hired a doula, and she was great. And so that definitely helped your fears of not having that care provider that you connected with present during the birth. So how amazing that that worked out. In our house, we are big on hydrating. Aside from all the important health benefits, I find that if I'm not well hydrated, I get these brutal headaches. So it's really important for me to hydrate. However, I do not like the taste of tap water and I cannot bring myself to buy bottled water because of all the plastic waste. So for years, we did pitcher filters, but then we switched to AquaTrue water purifiers. And after tasting the deliciousness of their truly clean water, we are never going back. What makes AquaTrue so unique is that they use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. This process removes 15% more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, also known as forever chemicals, that are found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. 
You can also forget about having to change filters every two to three months because AquaTrue filters last from six months to two years. Now, if plastic bottles are your thing, just one set of filters from AquaTrue's classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, my listeners receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U dot com and enter the code BIRTHFUL at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code B-I-R-T-H-F-U-L. Postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times of your life, which makes sense because you're basically acting as your baby's pantry while pregnant or nursing. That's why the quality of your prenatal supplements is so vitally important. Hands down, the one I recommend is needed. So I'm thrilled to say that if you use the code BIRTHFUL at thisisneeded.com, you can get 20% off your first month of needed products. Needed is the number one nutrition brand recommended and used by me and over 4,000 practitioners from nutritionists to midwives, functional medicine doctors, and OBGYNs. Needed is for anyone trying to conceive, pregnant, postpartum, and really, this is goodness you can use even before and beyond the perinatal years. Along with prenatals, Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support to a lactation support plan, a stress and sleep support plan, and a gut health plan. 
In fact, I've had clients rave about Needed's pre and probiotic formula, saying how much better it made them feel compared to their usual probiotics. And to me, Needed's hydration support packets, which only have ingredients you can pronounce, are a must in any doula or hospital bag. Also, Needed's prenatal multi is available in capsules and easy-to-take vanilla powder for those with nausea or pill fatigue. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. What other fears did you have or did you have any other fears? Well, initially during... When I first got pregnant, I was a little scared to just give birth again <laughs> without, you know, um, any pain medication because although I loved my first experience, it was a lot of hard work and I was a little afraid to go through the pushing again. And I I had heard that second babies tend to come out a little easier. So I was just kind of hoping for that. But once I, as the pregnancy progressed, I got more and more excited and um, I reread Ina May's book and I read um, Mindful Birthing, which was pretty helpful. Just kind of get into a good mindset. I'm trying to think of anything else I did. Oh, you know, I I took collagen powder this pregnancy, which um, I feel like it was very helpful. So just to back up with my first pregnancy, I had a great pregnancy. I loved being pregnant, but I did develop SPD around uh, 21 weeks. Can you explain? So that, yeah, can you explain a little bit more what that is? Yeah, it's um, symphysis pubis dysfunction, I think is what it stands for. And it's basically yep. pelvic pain. Yeah, it's like this really intense pain down in in your pelvic region. Um, I was running and one day I went out for a run. It just, it felt like it came on overnight and it just would mm. stop me dead in my tracks. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is that the pubic bone in the front is not solid. There's a little, it's the two pieces come together, but there's ligaments in between. So it's mm. not solid. And so when you have relaxant coursing through your body, you know, it makes you all wobbly and everything's like more flexible. And so, I mean, that bone right there purposely is separated so that there's more flexibility. And if the baby needs it, things can stretch to give more space. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if it starts stretching and separating ahead of time on a consistent basis, then you get SPD, which is super annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. I I didn't have it terribly. Like I could still walk fine. I've heard of some women that even have a hard time walking, but I definitely couldn't run anymore. And it was very annoying. And I had it even after he was born for like about a month, I want to say. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So uh, the other thing that I did the second time was I started taking collagen powder because I was, I randomly came across it on the internet. Um, it's sometime I think around my first trimester and, you know, collagen's like good for joints and all that kind of stuff. And so I thought, oh, well maybe it'll help me not get SPD this time. And it, I mean, I can't say for sure, but I really think it did because I never got it. And they say if you've had it once, your chance of getting it again is 
higher, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, because the, the, the tendon or the ligaments in between have been stretched, so it's easier. Like anything, if you've stretched it once, it's easier for it to happen again. Um, yeah. But I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'll look more into this collagen powder thing. I'm, I'm curious for sure. Yeah, I really do think it helped. I was able to comfortably still exercise and run all the way up until 32-ish weeks. And then it just got too uncomfortable with the big old belly, but it had nothing to do with any pelvic pain. Cool. So, yeah. So this one, uh, let's see. I was 39 weeks. Um, we knew we were having another boy. My mom flew out uh, to help. And um, Christmas came and went. And I had had a lot of uterine activity this pregnancy. I had had Braxton Hicks with my first, but this time I just had a lot of Braxton Hicks, contractions. Like I just felt a lot more going on down there for uh, several weeks. So it wasn't really anything new, but uh, the day, let me think, Christmas Eve, we had gone shopping and I lost a tiny bit of like, I don't think it was my plug, but just kind of a, some pretty thick discharge. And so I thought, oh, maybe things are starting. You know, that was really the only early sign that I had. And then the day after Christmas, I woke up at about 4.30 in the morning and I had my first contraction it was about 30, maybe 45 seconds long. And I just laid in bed and I slept on and off for the next two hours. And then at 6.30, I was just too excited because I thought, oh, this could finally be it. So I got out of bed and everybody was still sleeping. And I text my sister just to let her know today could be the day because I just felt like I needed to tell somebody. <laughs> Right? You were like in that quietude all alone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I let her know and I just uh, sat in our family room and kind of waited for the rest of the house to wake up. And I was timing them and they were about 12 to 15 minutes apart at this point. You know, just really early labor contractions, but I was feeling good about them. And, um, but at the same time, I really didn't want to get overly excited. And because, you know, you hear all the time about contractions just completely stopping and you don't have the baby for days or whatever. So I just wanted to kind of go about my day as um, normal as possible. And my husband and my mom finally woke up and I told them I was having contractions, but don't get too excited. You know, like, let's just keep going about our day. And I wanted to check out the after Christmas sales. So I thought, well, let's just go into town and run some errands. And we went into town around, I want to say 10 o'clock or 10 or 11. And we were shopping at Menards. I don't know if you've ever heard of a Menards. I, well, I have no idea what that is. What is a Menards? <laughs> I didn't either until I moved to North Dakota, but it's basically just a really big like home improvement store. <laughs> yeah. So we were at Menards and um, I actually ran into my doctor, which was so funny. So I was 
like having full contractions about every 12 minutes apart and they were lasting a good minute and they were intense. Like I could not walk through them. I definitely had to stop, but because they were so far apart, I just didn't, you know, I just was kind of brushing it off. So I ran into my doctor and he was like, oh, I was wondering if I was going to see you anytime soon. And I kind of laughed and said, yeah, I'm having some activity, like maybe, you know, late tonight or tomorrow or something. So that was pretty funny. Was he present for any of the contractions so he could see what was really going on? (laughs) Unfortunately, no. (laughs) No, he wasn't. Um, Yeah, so we said goodbye. And then we went and had lunch at Panera. And I had a couple really strong ones in Panera. And my husband looked at me and he was like, I think we need to just go home after this. And I really didn't want to, but I was like, okay, fine. So... (laughs) We drove home and he was like, I think you should get some rest. So I laid down in bed from 1.30 to 3.30. And I didn't sleep, but I just rested and would have my contractions still every 12 to 15 minutes apart and lasting a minute. And after about two hours, I was like, oh, I'm kind of done with this. So I decided to get up. I stood up and out of nowhere, they started getting so close together. Like they dropped. All of a sudden I had one 10 minutes and then eight minutes and then six minutes. And within a half an hour, they were like five to six minutes apart from after that nap or nap resting. And I was like, whoa, like this is really picking up quick. So th- that was around 4 p.m., and all this time, I'm thinking in my head, and you hadn't called your doula. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I had told her I was in, I had texted her and told her I was having contractions. But I was like, it's so early. Like, I'll just let you know, you know, later. And yeah, thank you for reminding me. My plan was for her to come to our house. She was actually going to take pictures too. She was also our like birth photographer. So she was going to take pictures of me laboring at home and then we were going to drive to the hospital together. And I, you know, I had this whole vision. Um, but so I did text her and I, I was like, these are really starting to pick up. And she said, okay, well, I'm ready to come whenever you want. And I was like, well, I'm handling them so well. Like I'm walking and talking between them. I'm fine because I was kind of waiting for myself to get into labor land. Mm. And yeah, because I was in labor land with my first for so long. And so I was like, nah, I don't need you till I'm in labor land. <laughs> so I I told her not to come. And then it only was about five minutes later. I was like, you know what? Actually, can you come? These are getting really close together. They were about three or four minutes apart at this point. And I thought, I'm having a hard time gauging this because it's just happening all so fast. And so she was like, yes, I'm coming. But I did not calculate into my head that she's about a 45-minute drive. Oh, and she was coming to your house. Yes. Yeah. That, that is a tip of advice if you have a doula. I really think that uh, you need to think about the little logistics about things like that because I just didn't plan that into like how I thought, you know, this was all going to happen. Yeah. 
So, so she gets in the car and she starts dr- coming in our direction. And, but I mean, it took her a little bit of time. It's not like she was ready to walk out the door the second I told her. Um, so she is on her way and let me think here. So my mom was distracting my two and a half year old at the time. I was just having kind of contractions all over the house. I'd have them like in the hallway. I would have them on my birth ball. Ben and I went to our bedroom and I was having some in there. And then we called my doula and we just asked her how far away she was. And she was about 15 minutes. And she was like about 15 minutes away. And I thought to myself, I don't know. I think I need to leave because I started getting shaky and nauseous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how far away, how far away were you from the hospital? About 20, 25 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So I thought, I don't think we can wait. <laughs> so we actually told her to turn around and just to meet us there at the hospital. And yeah, so we get in the car and um, I had my labor playlist music going. And I honestly, I don't mind being in labor in the car. So I've done it now twice. I think I've gone through transition in the car twice now. <laughs> and uh, that is, it's, that is your unique ability. That is your <laughs> unique ability. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just like, I sit in the seat, I buckle my seatbelt, I lean it back. And I, I enjoyed just laying back and looking at the, I mean, it was dark at this point, looking at the, you know, headlights and the building lights and just kind of being in my little zone, listening to my music. And yeah, so it was a nice drive and intense, but nice. (laughs) So I'm glad um, it was nice. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So we get to the hospital and oh, my midwife, she's, excuse me, my doula, she was so great. She was waiting for us and she went and parked our truck for us while my husband got our bags and it was really nice not having to deal with that. And then she said, I'll meet you up in your room. And I was standing in the lobby while my husband was getting our bags and I had one contraction and I'll just never forget there was an older gentleman watching me and I was just <laughs> going through this like super intense, intense contraction. And I just kept thinking like, you know, why are you looking at me? Like, <laughs> yes, I'm in labor. <laughs> I'm staring. Yes. <laughs> um yeah. And so my husband had called the hospital on the way there and told them that we were coming. And so they were prepared. And he did tell them at that point that my contractions were about two or three minutes apart, I think is what he told them. And they were totally ready for me. They let me in. And thankfully, I didn't have to walk far because it was so uncomfortable. But they had a room right there, not far down the hallway. And unfortunately, all of their rooms with tubs were unavailable. And I was really looking forward to getting into the tub. So I immediately went to plan B. And I just, again, there's something about when I'm in full on labor, I just, I don't care. I just start taking off all my clothes and I want water relief immediately. (laughs) So I headed straight for the shower and there was a, a little nurse in there, young nurse and she wanted to put the monitor on me and I just said, um, you know, no, thank you. I would actually rather have a Doppler. And she looked a little confused and was like, 
okay, I'll go find one. So she leaves. And then that's when I um, got into the shower. And then my doula had met us up there at that point. And the rest, I mean, it just went so fast. And I, when I'm in labor, I really like to be, I guess, in kind of the all fours position. Um, I had my head down on, they have a chair in the shower and I was kneeling on the floor with my head down on the chair and I was gripping the sides and I stayed like that for a long time. And I would just bury my face into the bottom of this chair and my husband would put water on my back or rub my back or my doula would rub my back. Um, somebody was always there doing counter pressure and just making sure the water was on my back. And I asked for my music playlist in the bathroom. And yeah, so I stayed in the shower. Um, Let me think here. So I was in the shower. I mean, there was nurses coming in and out of the room behind me. But at the time I was fully, this is when I was finally in labor land. I wasn't really aware of what was going on. Um, but I do remember at one point somebody said, such and such nurse is going to check you. Is that okay? And I was grateful that they asked and didn't just do it. And so they they checked me while I was down in this kind of all fours position in the shower. And she said, it's hard to tell. I think she's an eight with um, a small lip. And moments before she had checked me, I... I distinctly remember this shift in the contractions where instead of trying to relax my body through them, like it was getting increasingly difficult to relax through them, I felt like I wanted to like push with them. And so I had gone through a couple contractions like that where I thought, well, instead of trying to relax, I'm going to just work with it. And I started to push and I thought, oh, yes, this is what I want to do. This feels right. And so I'm, I was kind of doing that quietly on my own. And then she checked me and said I was eight with a small lip and my doula was crouched on the ground next to me. And I just remember looking over at her and I so quietly said, can I keep pushing? Like, I I don't know if I can push with a lip. And she just looked at me and said, just listen to your body and do what your body wants to do. And I was like, okay, thank you. Because I just felt like I needed somebody to give me permission to keep doing what I felt like was right. So I did. I just kept pushing in the shower and I lost my plug in there, my mucus plug. And then at one point, I remember hearing the nurses say, yeah, her doctor's not here yet. He's on his way, but the backup doctor is in the hallway. And I thought to myself, oh, if they're already talking about doctors, like I've got to be getting, you know, pretty close. And then my doula looked at me and said, before you get your baby too far down, do you want to move to the bed? And I thought, oh, baby's baby's coming. Okay. So I said yes. And I got up and I walked to the bed. They had the bed um, inclined and I immediately got on and I I kind of got into that, like I threw my upper body over the back of it and then there was a bar in the back, like near where the head is. And I grabbed the bar. So it was like a supported hands and knees, kind of like you were on the on the chair? 
in the bathroom, but but yeah. on the bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I would grip the bar during contractions and then just kind of relax. But and it probably sounds like all of that took a long time, but it didn't. I was only pushing for about mm, 20, maybe 30 minutes and he was born and I had started pushing in the shower. And I think I was only on the bed for about five or 10 minutes before he was born. My doctor only got there about five or 10 minutes before he was born. <laughs> he he actually walked into the room and I could kind of hear him, you know, gloving up and whatnot. And, and he said to me, he goes, I'm going to check you. And I just thought to myself, why are you going to check me? There's like no point. And then he like gets close and looks at me and he's like, yeah, never mind. Like, we don't need to check you like the baby. <laughs> yeah, I see here. What? <laughs> There's no need to check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that's how he was born. He was born um, behind me. It was really cool because my water did not break until his head was born in call. So he came out in the sack, his head did, and then it popped. And then the next contraction, he came all the way out. And they immediately put him under me. And it took me a second to register, you know, what had all happened. And they said, uh, reach down, grab your baby. And so I sat back on my, my legs, my feet, and, I, and he was there between my legs. Yeah, it was, it was great. And I just couldn't even believe it. And I looked up and I looked over and my doula was standing there with her camera. And I gave her this like kind of funny looking expression. I just was like in awe of everything that had just happened. And yeah, so I scooped him up and they helped me move on to my back. And we sat like that. Um, And they gave me some blankets to keep him warm. And it it took a little longer for my placenta to come out this time. It took about 30 minutes or so. Um, but we did wait for the cord to stop uh, pulsing and before we cut it. And he nursed right away. He cried a lot, lots of crying. Um, from the time that we got to the hospital, like pulled up to when he was born, was only 50 minutes. So it happened fast. Less than an hour. Yes. Yeah. And the pushing was much faster than the first time. <laughs> With my water intact. So like that that was the big uh this is so different for me. Yeah, and and I mean for sure, right? Like second babies and all that. But at the same time with this one, you were just going with what your body was saying. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't that somebody said, Okay, do this now or you know, can you, there's a little bit of a lip, I'll hold it. And can you push mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and have that sort of be the way that pushing started mm-hmm. as, and you being tired also has plays a part, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I listened to that episode that you have with Wapio after I had him. And I, I just loved listening to that episode because when she was talking about lips and, you know, a true cervical lip versus, I guess, not a true one and, and listening to your body. And I thought, well, that's, I feel like that's what happened with us. 
Yeah, and I find that that I mean we've got this sort of imaginary boundary of I have to wait till I'm ten and then somebody needs to give me permission to push. And there's a clear shift in gears of like before and after this moment. And truthfully, mm-hmm. that's made up. Mm-hmm. Your body doesn't care. It just does its own thing to your body. It's all part of the physiology. And as things progress, it shifts. Like it does have that, you know, the uterus is pulling up and pulling up, pulling up until it's more than open, but really has gone all the way as high as it's going to go and then switches to pushing baby down. So how the uterus moves is different for sure. And it seems like you felt that shift this time, whereas last time, maybe you didn't feel it because there were other, like you were more in thinking brain and other things were telling you what to do. Right. Yeah. It's very possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and so from listening, from talking to Wapio and doing births on my own, I try to get rid of that boundary and mm-hmm. say, you actually don't have to do anything. You don't Mm. have to wait for a moment to happen to then switch and start doing that. You just keep doing what you're doing Mm -hmm. and your body's going to tell you when you need to do something different, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you start analyzing, is this pressure? Is it constant pressure? Do I feel like I have to? You're thinking about it (laughs) and you don't birth with your brain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's awesome that you had both experiences, though, to, uh, well, I don't know if you think the first one was awesome, but that you had <laughs> to compare and and to see the difference. Definitely. Yeah. I, I love both of them. They're, yeah, they're different, but similar. And yeah, the change in the pushing for me was, it was really neat to feel my body doing it. You know, I mean, I was working with my body, but my body was definitely like pushing him out. Mm-hmm. And it felt it felt really good. <laughs> yeah. Compared to the first. Yeah, it's being able to let that fetal ejection reflex yeah. happen. It seems what that's what you felt. Yeah, I think I did. I mean, it it was night and day difference and it now it sounds weird, but it, it felt good. I I enjoyed it. It was still work, but it was it was good work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love listening to fun stories like this. And by that, I mean when they flow. That's what it is. It's flowing stories. Right. Yeah, I know. I've felt very fortunate that both of my births have been extremely smooth. No complications, you know, and I was just kind of along for the ride. And both positioning of babies, it seems they were pretty good in terms of you no know, back labor, no discomfort that way? No, no back labor. Um, but when I was pushing my first son out, it was kind of funny because at one point near the very end there, you know, my back was really hurting. And I didn't think it was back labor, but I just said to my midwife, man, my back really hurts. Like, I feel like it's breaking. I said, is this is this back labor? And she said, no. She goes, honey, those are your bones moving. (laughs) (laughs) Those are your bones moving. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) Is that what it is? (laughs) Um, But uh, because also you were like, you were semi-reclining at that point, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So you were sitting on your tailbone, which needs to get out of the way. Usually, like, and if you see textbooks and stuff, right where the head is coming out that way, the tailbone, because it's flexible, curls out, like really literally gets, like she said, gets your bones move out of the way. And then after the head, that pressure goes away, it pops right back into place. Right. Um, but sitting on it, that's why it, it makes it so hard because it's trying to get out of the way and there's pressure on both sides, the head and the bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are your bones moving. I, know. I love that. I'll never forget that. <laughs> how could you? <laughs> um, so how was postpartum with this one? Postpartum was very similar with both. I uh, My babies are colicky. <laughs> They're very alert newborns. They're not sleepy little newborns. They are for about five to seven days, and then they really wake up. And they're um, they were extremely similar. Lots of you know they wouldn't even cry in the evenings. It was all day crying, and so I kind of would just have to figure out what worked the first time. My son would really only sleep in the ergo. Um, So it's hard when you reach a point where your babies only sleep a certain way. I mean, they wouldn't fall asleep nursing. You know, I couldn't bounce, rock, sway, you name it. I tried it. And so for with my first, he only fell asleep in the ergo. And that's really hard when, you know, you want to take a nap too. And you can't because you have a baby sleeping on you. So that was a challenge. Um, And then with my, my second... Also very similar, but this time I had a toddler as well. And so I think my postpartum with him was even harder because I I did have two kids and I had to deal with a colicky baby and a toddler. Yeah, they're, you know, with time, it's just time. For, For Both of my kids are about four or five months before things start to get a little easier. And I think that's great for listeners to hear <laughs> as hard it is, as it is, right? Um, because when you're in it, in the craziness of a colicky baby in and out for days on end, or a baby that's so fussy or higher needs or whatever it is, it's like, is this ever going to get better? I know. Yeah. It's so hard. Even when you're in it, even the second time around, I was like, okay, I know things are going to get better eventually but I want them better right now. <laughs> but again, it, it is, it's just time and they do get better. So is there anything from birth and postpartum at, at any point really that you would do different if you had another one? Well, I'm actually pregnant again. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, yeah. So what are you doing Not this time? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm making sure that um, my parents stay out longer this time. I, they're actually both going to come. And then my uh, mother-in-law is going to come right after they leave. So I'm going to have care for um, about three weeks after the birth with parents and in-laws. And then my husband gets three weeks of maternity care or paternity, excuse me, that he was not able to take with my second. So he was only had a couple days off and then he went back to work and that was hard. And so I think this time, um, he'll take those full three weeks. Um, 
And then the other thing is honestly having a baby in North Dakota in winter was hard because I couldn't go outside for like a walk, a breath of fresh air, anything like that. So, um, so when we were kind of talking about this next baby, I said, I don't want to do another winter. So if we could try to avoid that, <laughs> like I'd rather give birth in the summer. How far along are you? I'm 17 weeks. Cool. Yeah. So I'm doing August. Yeah. So we're going to do um, a home birth this time, actually. You've gotten to a place where that feels like the right mm-hmm. thing to do. Yeah, I met the midwife. I really awesome. liked her. Um, I mean, the distance is still, you know, she's still far away. Is this the same one that was 45 minutes away or yeah, an hour like away? like an hour and 15 minutes away or something. Okay. Yeah, but she's the only one in the area. Um, she's great, but there's, yeah, there's mm-hmm. nobody closer. Um, but I'm going to, I'm hiring the same doula. And I feel really comfortable with her skill set. You know, um, obviously she's not, I'm not hiring her for the birth, but in the event that something happens super fast, if she's there, I'll feel better. (laughs) So, um, and again, I mean, I'm not planning on that at all because I know that's not her job, but just knowing that, you know, she is a midwife in training and she's got so much doula experience, I just would feel a little better having her there than just myself and my husband. So, so yeah, we hired both of them. Um, I'm going to, I'm not dead set on delivering in the water, but I am going to have a birth tub. So we'll just go, go with the flow Mm -hmm. and see what my body does. Yeah, no, I love that. Thank you so very much for sharing your stories today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. That was April Teal. And as you heard, when we recorded, April was pregnant with her third and planning to have a home birth. April recently wrote to say that she had a wonderful smooth and quick birth with her son making his entrance one and a half hours after her midwife and doula arrived at her house. Interesting fact, all three of her boys weighed seven pounds and 12 ounces at birth. You can connect with us on Instagram at Birthful Podcast. And in fact, we would love it if you're not driving, if you would take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to Instagram, sharing any insights you had from April's stories. Make sure to tag at Birthful Podcast so we can see it and amplify it. Next up in our Models and Places of Birth series, we're going to be diving deeper into home birth when I talk to midwife Robina Khaled about what you need to think about when considering birthing at home. You can find the in-depth show notes and transcript of this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about my small birth preparation classes and download your free postpartum preparation plan. Birthful is created and produced by me, Adriana Lozada, with production assistance from Asia Plati. Thank you for listening to and sharing Birthful. Be sure to follow us on Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and everywhere you listen. And come back for more ways to inform your intuition. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one Birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.